There are many issues that plague youth. The church acts as a safe haven. It provides a place where youth can come together to hear the Word of God. Upper Room Media presents to you this Youth Talk, delivered from Sydney, Australia. I'm really happy I got to catch some of the William Hannah's talk. There's a lot of things that he says, uh, that he said will resonate because we're going to talk about the other side of that, of what he said. So the topic, from what I understand, is preparing yourself for God, preparing yourself to be members of heaven, yes? Citizens of heaven. So what we want to talk about right now is practical spirituality. How can we bring everything that we learn into practicality? Right? Preparing our hearts for God in a practical manner. What are the day-to-days? What do we really need to do in order to feel the presence of God in our lives? To prepare ourselves to have God inside of us, in our hearts, on the throne of our hearts. Right? Abu Yohanna mentioned something beautiful. He said a lot of people are seeking many things, right, to fill this hole here, right? If you can only have how many things here? One, right? It's got to be God. And if it's not God, you know, it'll be filled with many different things. And when it's filled with God, everything kind of falls into, into place. So we want to talk about practical spirituality. And we wanted to start with this verse for, for a reason. And we'll get into that. In Revelations 3.20 we read, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Hmm? I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will eat with him and he with me. So, this shows us something very, very important, right? We are always looking for God and we're always looking for ways to get closer to God. But this shows us what? In reality, who's really looking for who? Who's out seeking who? God is seeking us, right? God is always looking for us. And this is one of my favorite cartoons, because if you see here, there's the shepherd, and we know that God is the good shepherd, right? We see many pictures of Christ holding sheep, and you know, we call him the good shepherd. The shepherd is what? What's he doing? He's calling out, right? He's calling out to the sheep, and look at the sheep. The sheep is like, I wonder why I don't hear from the shepherd anymore. I don't hear God's voice in my life. But look at what the sheep's doing, right? How many things are going off? You got the radio, you got his headphones. Right? You got the TV, you got the laptop. He's even reading while doing all of this. And the jukebox. And the jukebox. And what's on the floor here covered in, you know, under a pile? The Bible. Right? It's an afterthought. Everything else right, takes priority. And on the bottom here we read John 10.27 says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So if there's a disconnect between us and God, if we don't feel God in our lives... If we don't feel Him seeking us, if we're not seeking Him, or if we don't know how to seek Him, more often than not, there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of noise, and we can't hear Him. We can't. He, the verse right before this is what? He stands and does what? Knocks. But if you don't hear the doorbell or the knock, how do you know anyone's at the door? Right? Now, for us today, all of these things can usually be summed up into one package, Right? Everything you see there is literally right here in the phone, right? So sometimes the phone is what hinders us from hearing God's knock. 
I don't want to sound like a broken record. I'm sure you hear this everywhere. You hear it at home, get off your phones, you're on your phone, so on and so forth. That's not what we're here to talk about. But individually, right? How many times or how many hours can you spend on the phone versus how many hours you speak to God or you're on your Bible, right? If you don't have to answer the question, but everyone internally, you know, it's very, very easy to be this sheep right here. It's very, very easy. And if you look at him, does he look comfortable? He's comfortable. Most of us are very comfortable in our lives. Everything is very accessible. Food is very accessible. We don't really have to work that hard for food. We're not struggling that much, right? We have uh, first world problems, right? Our phone breaks, we need a phone, so on and so forth. But we're not dealing with a lot of struggle, right? So we're very, very comfortable. And we don't often hear this knock. So if we're disciples of Christ, that's what a Christian is, right? To be a disciple of Christ. All Christians, we are all seeking to follow Christ, and Christ is always seeking us. Where's the disconnect? We should be connected. He's always looking for us, we're always looking for Him. So if we don't feel Him, if we don't hear Him, more often than not, this is us right here. And there's a lot of noise going on in the background, and we need to eliminate some of that noise. So, as I'm sure you heard throughout the retreat so far, our goal is to be with God and to live with God. Forever. And as Abu Yahana said earlier, in order to live with God, when does that start? When you build a connection. When you build a connection, but when does it start? Like when we die later on? Now, right? The kingdom of, of God is within us. And the Bible tells us in Titus 2, 11, 11 to 14, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness. This is about where the practicality happens. We have to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. The present age literally is translated to today. Because when you look in the media and when you look in school and when you look at work and when you look everywhere outside, are people living generally a self-controlled, upright, and godly life? Quite the opposite. We are living in an age where it's exactly the opposite of this. Where we actually stand out. Right? So if you're in school and you don't curse, something's wrong with you. If you're at work and not every other word is the F word, something is wrong with you. Something is not right. Right? Because this is the lives that people live in the world. Everything is free. We can do whatever we want. There is no self-control. There is no upright. There is no godly. But we are called... By the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. We are all baptized. We all have the Holy Spirit inside of us. So it should be easier for us than for others to feel Christ, to hear Christ, to have self-control, to live upright and godly lives. He continues saying, waiting for our blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself, us, gave himself, for, gave himself for us to redeem us, from all lawlessness, and to purify for himself a people of his own possession who are zealous for good, what's the last word? Works. works. Who are zealous for good works. Which means, and everyone knows this, right? In a relationship, can you do nothing? No. There has to be work involved. So it shows us that it's going to take some work, right? If we want to get to heaven, it's going to take some work. If we want to feel God in our lives, it's going to take some work. We're going to have to roll up our sleeves. We know that faith without works is what? Dead. Dead. Again, this is not, we're not talking about anything new. This is things that you all know. And we find this in James. And there's always something that stands out to me. Right? 
You believe that there is one God. Anyone here disagree? No, we all agree. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? So being a Christian is not enough. Coming to church is not enough. Going to Sunday school, not enough. We have to live hardcore Christianity. Because the devils believe in God. Does the devil go to church? No. Yeah, he does. He's right there next to you in church trying to trip you up and mess you up. So he's in church. Does he fast? He doesn't have to fast. Why? Because of me. Does he, does he stay up all night praying? No, but he doesn't sleep, right? And this is what he told St. Macarius the Great. He's like, you guys stay up all night fasting and, and praying. We don't eat. We don't sleep. But one thing that you have that we don't have is humility. And that's what kills us. And it's through humility that we begin to practice spirituality. Because if we're not humble, then we think that we don't need this. I believe in God. That's good. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. But even the demons believe in tremble. Right? And Christ says this in another verse. He says, people worship me with their mouth, but their hearts are far from me. We don't want to be fake. We want to have a real relationship. Abu Nihana said something so beautiful. If you tell someone to tell you that they love you, they can say it. But it's what? I love the word he used. It's cheap. It's so cheap. God does not want cheap relationships. We don't want cheap relationships. We have to be real and we have to be practical about it. Right? So believing in God is, is wonderful, but it's not enough. There must be works. I must have a relationship with this God. Right? And in 2 Peter, and this is what we want to really focus on today, what's highlighted here. We'll get into it in another slide. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith, which is our belief, right? Belief we have. We have to supplement that. We have to add to that virtue. With virtue, knowledge. Knowledge, self-control. With self-control, steadfastness. Steadfastness with godliness. With godliness, brotherly affection. And with brotherly affection, love. This is literally the framework for how to have a relationship with if we are not godly, if we don't have brotherly love, if we don't take care of one another, you can forget about having a relationship with God. And I don't want to stay on the surface. I want to get deep. What do we mean by taking care? What does brotherly love mean? Someone tell me what brotherly affection means. Anyone? Or sisterly affection. It's the same. Brotherly, sisterly. What does it mean? Anyone? Jenny, what does it mean? You have a specific love for your brother that no matter how much you want to punch him in the face, you still love him, right? Unconditional. That's the kind of love that we need to have for one another. No matter how far I get angry or upset with someone, I love them. Would you ever hurt your brother? No, no. Would you ever? Maybe physically you feel like you not. But would you ever, like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. If someone messed with your brother, how would you feel? Angry. You'd be angry. If someone messed with your sister, how would you? No, I'm not going <laughs> But no, really, if someone really, like, being serious, someone really messed with your sister, you'd be really upset. And that's the kind of brotherly love that God is talking about here. And the reason why we wanted to highlight this 
because forgive me from, for what I'm about to say, but in our church personally and in our groups, we like this. Sometimes we say things to one another and we mean to hurt. Oh, but I'm just joking. I'm going to slap that title on there and you take it how you take it. I don't care. Right? I've seen it with my own eyes, me personally, in our church, where people will talk with one another and they'll say something, there's no brotherly affection. And without brotherly affection, brotherly affection leads to what? Love. You love your brother, so you're not going to hurt him. We have to have that kind of love here together. Without that, we cannot ascend individually or together to have that relationship with God. It'll never happen. It'll never happen. Because then there's no humility. And if there's no humility, forget it. Satan runs the place. This is, this is why, this is the, the shamma. This is the practical spirituality. This is, if you really want to be spiritual, this is what we have to do. We have to be steadfast. What does steadfastness mean? We're going to talk about every single one of those, but this is just an introduction. What does steadfastness mean? If you wanted to go and move that tree outside by yourself, you're going to be able to do it? No. Why? Because that tree is planted. Hmm? Rooted. No, no, why are you sorry? Please, yes, rooted. We have to be rooted in this. In love for our brothers and sisters. In love. In our faith. We have to be steadfast that we have to take communion every week. That we have to confess every week. That we have to read our Bibles every day. Right? The Trinity that Abuna spoke about. Spoke about what? The Bible? Right. Without these things, there's no spirituality. It's practical. It's just the truth. Right? So this is how we get to know God. This is how we prepare our hearts for God. And this is how we live a spiritual life. So if we are lacking this, we're never going to make it to the next step. Never. And a lot of people are stuck on this. And they think, well, I don't hear God. I don't feel Him. I don't hear Him knocking. Yeah, because we're nowhere near the door. We have no idea what's going on because we lack self-control. We lack steadfastness. We lack godliness. Well, we'll talk about every single one of those. But this, I want you to highlight this. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5-8. to eight. This is going to be our practical roadmap. This is the, the shammar. This is how am I going to get to know God? How am I going to go out? And have God in my heart. Okay? And something that we want to talk about that we love, of course, Galatians 5, 16, 26. I'm sure all of you have heard this many, many times, the fruits of the Spirit. But what I, I want to dive in, because it ties into how practical we want to be. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. This is kind of like our backdrop, because if we walk against... Uh, sorry, if we walk in the Spirit, it's going to be very easy for us to do those things, to be godly, to be steadfast, to have brotherly love for one another, to truly love one another and to forgive one another. Hmm? For the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under this, this control of the body. Have you heard of the, the fasting um, analogy of the dog and the eagle? Have you heard of this? So imagine a dog is chained, right? And at the other end of the chain is the eagle, right? If you feed 
the eagle and you neglect the dog, right? The eagle is going to fly as long as the chain can take and the dog is going to be subject to where the eagle flies, right? But if you feed the dog and you don't feed the eagle, will the eagle ever fly? No, the dog is the one who's going to have control and whenever the dog moves, the eagle will follow, right? The dog is the flesh, the eagle is the, is the spirit, right? So we want to walk according to the spirit. And this is how we walk according to the spirit, by loving one another, by reading our Bibles every day, our Ibeya every day, reading the psalmody, and taking care of each other, and being steadfast in our faith. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. So we have practical spirituality. This is practical, the other side. Practical, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. There it is. Daddy. Will not inherit the kingdom of God. The whole point of our talk here is how we inherit the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is where? Inside. But I will never access it if I'm on this map. Okay, and if you think about every single one of these things, usually when you pass by these things, we're like, oh, that has nothing to do with me, thank God. I don't hate anyone. But if I say something to someone, and I hurt them, that's hatred. That's hatred. Because you'd never do that to your brother. You'd never do that to your sister. But if God is all of our father, and the church is all of our mother, then we are brothers and sisters. And therefore I, should, I don't have brotherly affection. So if you have no self-control, and I know, I know what I say, I know that it stings, and I mean to hurt the other person, hmm? then I don't have brother, then I have hatred. And if I have any of these, just as I also told you, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So you can forget it. You can imagine standing before God. Imagine standing before God. And God said, you have so much hatred. You cannot make it into the kingdom. I didn't hate anybody. What are you talking about? I never hated anyone. No, but you didn't love. You didn't truly love. You hurt your brother, you hurt your sister, and you slap the title, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. And I think this is one of the biggest tricks I've seen in our community. It's so easy. I've seen it a hundred times. I'm just joking. And I've also seen the other side where people are in tears. And people are hurt. And people don't want to come to church anymore. And people don't feel like they fit in or they don't belong in the church. Because a certain group will purposely leave them out, purposely say something. That's hatred. Hmm? Envy, murders, sorcery. What's sorcery? What's sorcery? Um, like people who um, practice like, witchcraft. Yeah, witchcraft, absolutely. And we already talked about this, we don't have to talk about it in depth. But this is, our world is saturated in sorcery. We talked about this already, we don't have to dive into it. But if you listen to any kind of music, whether it's rap, whether it's Taylor Swift, whether it's who the heck ever, it's sorcery. It's sorcery. All of this is satanic. You can go ahead and look it up. Look up what's going on with Travis Scott. Look at what's going on with Taylor Swift. Look at what's going on with someone's name. Not Travis Scott, the other guy. 
studies that are done hmm, where these people when they record music there are satanic rituals so that demons accompany the songs and anyone who listens to them wherever they're played the demons are there there was a story where someone went to a true story someone went to a priest and was like um, you know you, you need to come pray in our house he's like what happened he's like no no you really need to come pray in our house something is not right we keep seeing shadows like things are things are just not okay I don't know what's going on in the house so Abuna's asking them you know I've come and I prayed in your house before um, tell me what you're doing different are you doing anything in the house that is different no what are you watching uh, you know every night we sit and we watch this uh, show it's about like uh, you know demons and zombies and the undead or whatever and he's like uh -huh. he's like okay here's what I want you to do I want you to stop watching the show immediately and I guarantee you there'll be no need for me to come We'll try. True story. And they did. And the stuff went away. Why? Because a lot of times, we know this is practical stuff that we're talking about. How many of us have watched movies? We all watch movies. How many of us watch shows? We all watch shows. Right? We have to be very, very careful because this word sorcery here, that if we're a part of, we will not inherit the kingdom of God, a lot of it enters through entertainment. That's why the word enters there, entertainment. You have to be very, very careful what you allow into your house, what you allow into your mind, through your eyes. Right? This is practical spirituality. This is bad, the blueprints. Because if we are involved in these things, how can you have a relationship with God? How can I remember any Bible verse when I need a Bible verse when all I can think about is song lyrics? Or that funny video that I saw on TikTok? Because this is what comes to mind. Right? So we have to be very, very careful of this. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, wrath, selfish ambitions. Wrath, that's anger. Hmm? When I'm angry with my brother or my sister for no reason, or when I'm angry to the point of cursing or fighting, that's wrath. Right? And if left unchecked, these people will not inherit the kingdom of God. So you can search all you want, you won't hear the door knock, it's not happening. So this is why we want to be very, very careful. On the flip side, better. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I'm sure you've seen self-control come up quite a few times. Against such things there is no law, and those who are Christ's, those who belong to Christ, which is supposedly all of us, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So if we're talking about it, let us be about it. Realistically, and let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. If the kingdom of heaven is within us, then my salvation is with who? St. Anthony says this. Your salvation is with who? Your neighbor. Right? And St. John Chrysostom says, I don't believe in the salvation of those who don't believe in the salvation of others. So if you only care about yourself, you're not going to make it. I have to love everyone. Right? I have to take care of all those who are around me. I have to be a beacon of hope. So going back real quick. 
knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, brotherly love, and love, uh, brotherly affection and love. This is going to be our our framework. This is what we're. This is going to be the roadmap of what we're talking about. And you can see. Anyone know what this picture is called? Collateral. Jacob's ladder. <laughs> no, it's not Jacob. The ladder of divine ascent. Yes, yes. It could be called Jacob's ladder. It's similar. Jacob saw angels coming down. But this one here is a little different. Jacob saw angels coming up and down. This ladder is people going up and down, and you see angels helping. And what are these guys doing? Trying to knock them down. Right? And here you have the ultimate end, which is hell. And there you have the ultimate end for hopefully all of us, which is heaven. Right? So, and actually there's a book called The Ladder of Divine Ascent. It's by St. John Clematis. Highly recommend all of you have. Beautiful book. Right? It's not a book so much to read, but other to reference. And it has chapters, literally ladders, steps. Right? It talks about anger, it talks about wrath, it talks about gluttony, it talks about lust, it talks about pride, it talks about humility. All of the things that we need to work on. But I want to focus on these. So knowledge. Knowledge of what? Hmm? Who do I need knowledge of? God. 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 Right? A lot of times... We try to hear God, we don't hear Him. What do we need to do? Read the Bible. Right? Just like Abu Yohanna said. I love this picture. Because a lot of times, we're like, God, I don't hear you, please talk to me. And where's our Bibles? Uh, under, the, under the pile, like that sheep that we saw in the beginning. Right? This is how we talk to God. This is how God talks to us. Right? And in 2 Timothy 3.16, we read, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So, if this is the manual for training in righteousness, then without it, can I attain righteousness? Practicality. One plus one equals two. I don't read my Bible, I'll never be righteous. I don't read my Bible, I'll never attain godliness. If I never read my Bible, I will never know God. And if I don't know God, I'm not going to make it to the kingdom. It's just math. Right? Practical. Practicality. That the man or the person of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Everyone. Hmm? Competent, equipped for every good work. So this is our equipment. Right? And we see here, this is one, another one of my favorite pictures. You see here that someone, who's, who's the main tree? Christ. Right? Yes, God. You can see His feet right here. See the two... the place of the nails. And here is the person that is holding on to him. Whoever holds on to him bears what? Fruit. Fruit. Right? Cool picture. So, St. Seraphim says, one should nourish the soul with the word of God, for the word of God, as St. Gregory the theologian says, who we commemorate in our commemoration of the saints, right? Says, is angelic bread by which are nourished the souls who hunger for God. Like Abu Nehana was saying, our relationship starts when we want to get to know one another. And it cannot happen without the Bible. I know he touched up on this, but it's really, really important. We can't have a talk on practical spirituality without being practical about Bible reading. If you don't read your Bible every single day, know that you're on the wrong track. There is no, I'm tired. There is no, I don't have time. It's not going to fly when you stand before Christ. Anyone here plan on not standing before God? You're going to stand before God. I'm going to stand before God. Everyone will stand before God. And what excuse can you possibly give? I didn't have time. I was tired. 
I had SATs, I had AP classes, right? But just now, before Judgment Day, I can go on the phone and check my screen time. And more often than not, it's over five, six, seven, eight hours, right? So really, you really have to be careful, okay? And forgive me for taking more time on the Bible, but this is, and the Bible is the foundation for practical spirituality. Then he says, most of all, one should occupy oneself with reading the New Testament and the, the Psalms. One should do standing up from this. There occurs an enlightenment in the mind, which is in the, which is in the mind, which is changed by divine change. And Abuna spoke about this too, enlightenment. My eyes become opened. Right? Some people tell me, oh, I read the Bible, but I don't understand. Yeah. But when you continue to read the Bible, you know who does understand the words? The demons. And the demons don't come near you, because they understand the power of the words. We might not understand it. But when we read the Bible, this is how we nourish our soul. This is how we bear fruit. This is how we hold on to God. So without reading the Bible, and if you don't know how to read the Bible, it's okay. Say so. Come to your father confession. Come to your spiritual God and say, I don't know how to read the Bible. Where do I start? What do I do? What plan should I have? Give me a roadmap. Give me a practical way to read my Bible. Practicality is the key. Because you can say, oh, you know what, that's it. I'm going to read my Bible and tomorrow I'm going to start, I'm going to read 10 chapters a day. Is that practical? No. That's going to fail. I have to be practical. I have to be real. I have one hour of free time a day. Fine. 20 minutes, read the Bible. <clears throat> St. Bowman says, the nature of water is soft and that of stone is hard. But if a water bottle is hung on top of that rock and drip by drip, what happens to the rock? It becomes soft. It wears away even the hardest stones. So it is with the Word of God. It is soft and our hearts are what? More often than not, our heart is hard. This is how you soften your heart. God says, I will give you a heart of what? Flesh. And I'll take your heart of stone. How? This is how. Reading the Bible. Because... But the man who hears the word of God often opens his heart to the fear of the Lord. Hmm? So this is the knowledge that we're talking about. Any questions about knowledge? Reading the Bible? I could give you many more slides. I'm, I, I want to keep it short. God is the one who is knocking on our door. One of the fathers, I think it was Saint... Um, Forgive me, I just mentioned this to you. One of the fathers, Saint, I think it was Saint Ephraim the Savior, he says, God walks in the scripture seeking us just like he walked in the garden seeking Adam. Remember when he was looking for Adam? Adam was doing what? Hiding. hiding. Right? When we don't up, open our Bibles, we're hiding. But God is freely walking, looking for us. So the first one, knowledge. If I don't have knowledge of God and I don't have this enlightenment from the Bible, forget it. No, no practicality. Self-control. I have to have self-control. Self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit that we mentioned that often we have in front of each other. We have in church, during the liturgy, we have self-control. I'm standing, no problem. But in secret, with my friends, or when I'm angry, this goes out the window. And it's one of the fruits of the Spirit on the positive side and on the negative side. If I don't have self-control, I don't make it to the kingdom, yes? So it's noteworthy that we speak about it. Proverbs 16.32 tells us, Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules over his spirit, better than he who takes his city. 
So to the world, he who conquers is mighty. But to us in spirituality, he who conquers himself, he who conquers herself, has self-control, this is who's truly mighty. Hmm? And again, Proverbs says, 25, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. So what kind of self-control are we talking about? Hmm? When I am angry and I want to say something to hurt someone, no, I'm going to control myself. Right? When my mind is on fire and my body is on fire and Satan is fanning the fire for me to look at something that I shouldn't look at and do something that I shouldn't do, I run to the Psalms. I run and I control myself. And I say, no, I'm not going to do this. Just like Joseph. Do you remember Joseph? When the, the master's wife was trying to seduce him, what did he say? He said something. What did he say? Everyone should know this. What did he say? He said something. How could I do this? Huh? How could I do this against God? How could I? God! And by the way, look at the position he was in when he said this. He was just sold. He was a slave. So he wasn't like on the throne yet. So as a slave who got sold, he could have been like, well, God abandoned me. So you know what? <laughs> I'm going to abandon him. I'm going to go and do this. No. As a slave and accused and, and sold and beaten by his brothers and all of that, he said, how can I do this against God? His circumstance had nothing to do with the condition of love that he had for God. And this is true self-control. That's the essence of self-control. <clears throat> that no matter what circumstance I have in my life, it does not affect my relationship with God. Yes? <clears throat> In Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 9, we read, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. Right? Some of the guys are working out, right? So if I told you to skip the gym and come and have cake with me, you'd be like, no, I'm not going to do that. What's the point? Right? So what are you exercising? Self-control. Right? So many people, no, I'm bulking. No, I, I can't. I can't do it. I'm on a diet. There is self-control. Hmm? Cutting. I'm cutting. Whatever it is. So we're willing to put in the effort, right? Because practically, if I don't put in the effort, I'm never going to achieve the goal. Right? I'm never going to achieve the goal. So practically, if I have no self-control, I'm never going to get the prize that doesn't perish. Right? They do it to receive a perishable wreath or a prize, but we an imperishable, which is what? The kingdom of God. So this is the roadmap that we want to follow, the practical roadmap. Knowledge of who God is, knowing Him. We'll never know Him without the Bible. And I'll never know Him if I don't have self-control. Because really, self-control is what? Who's helping me? Who gives me help? God, right? If I have God on my side, He's going to help me to have self-control. I can call out for help, and God will help me. Right? Any questions on this? No self-control? We could talk about self-control for hours. That's very simple. Practical self-control. If I don't have self-control, ask for it. Talk to your father confession. I don't have self-control. What do I read? What do I do? What psalms can I read? What matanias can I do? What matanias? Just do matanias. Right? Self-control. Because without self-control, think about it. How many times do we fast throughout the year? Like almost... A third, more than a third of the year, right? 200 and something days, right? Most of the year we're fasting. This is exercising self-control, right? 
With, and we fast also Wednesdays and Fridays, hopefully. Hmm? Self-control. We'll leave it at that. Steadfastness and godliness. Hmm? This is one of my favorite Psalms. And it's the first thing you read in the book of Psalms. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on the law he meditates day and night. He is like a what? A tree planted. Hmm? Yields fruit in its season, like the picture you saw before, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does prospers. Steadfastness. I make um, resolve. I am going to follow God. I'm going to follow God. I'm going to fast Wednesday and Friday. I'm going to fast Wednesday and Friday. I'm going to be like that tree where if I told you to go move it, you'd look at me. Are you crazy? <laughs> That's, you should have that about yourself. Sin? No, I'm not going to do that. Do this against the Lord? No way. Steadfast. I'm not going to come to liturgy late. No. I'm coming at 7.45. I'm coming. I don't care. I don't care what happens. I don't care if I'm up tonight. I don't care. Steadfast. Without that kind of resolve, we'll never be like that tree. We'll never be like that tree that is planted by streams of water yielding fruit. We must be steadfast. And this was one of that road map that we read in that verse. And we'll go back to that verse. So steadfastness and godliness, right? His delight is in the law of the Lord. Being steadfast in these things is how we achieve godliness. We want to be like God. And there's another thing that maybe we'll talk about one day, which is theosis. Anyone know what theosis is? Hmm? It's being one with God. St. Maximus talks about this. It's not for another day. And this is our goal. Our goal huh, is to be one with God in heaven. Not that we will be God. No, it's a misconception. But that's a talk for another day. But we want to be like God. God created us in His image. And He came and He took our form so that we can... Be that beautiful saying that's on the shirt. He took what is ours and gave us what is His. Hmm? We have to be godly. This is how God created us. We have to be different in the world out there. We must. As you saw all of those things listed, that's exactly what the world is made of. Everything is cursed, everything is naked, everything is porn, everything is drugs, everything is sex, everything is money. That's why we were created. To take pictures of our food, to eat the best food, to tell people about it, and to just enjoy our life. But no, we are to be godly. We are to be steadfast. We want to be planted in God a movement. We want to be so in love with God that we can't stand to be without Him. Again, if I only come to church because Mama and Baba are going to be on my case, if I'm only coming to Sunday school because servants are going to be on my case, it's cheap. Yes. I love that when I'm stealing this. It's cheap. It's so cheap. It's not real. Right? Imagine someone hanging out with you just because their parents are nagging them. Like, I'm just going to hang out with you because my mom is not on. Let's go grab some you, know? <laughs> you want to go? No! Yeah, you want to go. <laughs> <laughs> if you're paying, if I'm, if I'm paying, no, you have to pay for me. Right? It's cheap. No, we want to be so in love with God. It's okay if you're not in love with God. You can tell God, God, I don't love you, but I want you. Be real. Pray. God, I don't trust you. I just don't. Help me to trust you. Someone said this to God in the Bible. Someone said to God, help my what? Someone say My unbelief. I, God told him, be believing. He said, how help my unbelief? Help me. Help me. Give me this heart of flesh that you're talking about. 
Pope Shenouda talks about this. You listen to his sermons. In most of his sermons, he urges people, go and talk to God. Right? People say, I'm just, just the way I am. No, I'm sorry. That's not the way you are. God did not create you. That's not just the way you are. It's laziness. It's lack of love for God. And actually, the gospel tomorrow, you know what the gospel for tomorrow is? Love God. Oh, it's bigger to send this part. Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus Christ said of those two commandments, they are the what? The highest. Right? Everything else hangs on these two. So we have to be practical. If we don't love God, be practical. Tell God, God, I don't love you. Help me to love you. Pope Shenouda has a, a quote in one of his, uh, his sayings, in his talks. He's like, come and help me hate this sin. I love this sin. I love it. Help me. If I could get rid of it without you, I would have done it. But I can't do it. You have to come help me. Be practical with God. It's a relationship. It has to be real. It has to be real. Any questions? On to the next two. Last two. Brotherly affection and love. And like we talked about and like we touched Brotherly affection for those who have siblings. Yeah, okay, sometimes you want to knock them out, but when we're getting serious, you love them. And you take care of them. And you wouldn't dare cross a line. And if someone came and crossed that line, you would, hmm? You'd lay down your life, right? You take care of your sibling. And this is what we have to do for one another. So we really have to ask ourselves, do we really take care of each other? Because if I don't love my neighbor as myself, if I don't love others, the Bible actually tells us that our religion is false. It's false. How can I say I love God, but I, I hate the other? It's impossible. If that person, if you are created in the image of God and I hate you, how can I love God? Of course I don't hate you. I'll never hate you, but I only say something that I know is going to sting you. Mm. No. We have to be careful. Have to do not don't be fooled by Satan. Whenever you hurt your brother or your sister and you slap that fake title, I was just joking. The devils are having a party. Yeah, you got it. And God is just like, these are my kids. Am I going to do my kids? Do we really love each other? Because without loving each other, there's no way you're going to love God. It's not happening. And if you don't love God, you're not making it into heaven because it's not real. It's cheap. Do you see the one plus one plus one plus one? It's such a simple equation. Do we really love each other? Hmm? It's a command. Look at what John tells us. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God. And what? And what? Knows God. Knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Period. Satan is a deceiver. So what he does is he deceives us into thinking, no, 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 I don't hate anyone. I love everyone. I never hate anyone. But when I don't have love and I purposely hurt the other or I don't look out for the other, then no, I don't love. And if I don't love, I don't know God. And it's all one big sham. And when I get to the throne and I'm under love and under service, it's all zero. And I'm like, and the devil's just laughing. Yeah, we got her. We got her. It's all one big sham. Why? Because we didn't care enough to be practical about our spirituality. So you have to be very careful. So how do you prepare your heart for God? Be real. Be real. Be practical. Also in John, a new commandment I give you that you love one another just as I have loved you. This is God talking. You also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. St. Anthony says there's coming a time, and I truly believe it's here now, 
that people will go crazy and they'll look at us like we're the crazy ones. They'll go mad and they'll be like, no, you guys are the crazy ones. We have, when we love each other, when we take care of each other, when we look out for each other, we stand out. The world wants us to hurt one another. The world wants us to hate one another. Why? Because that's pride. No, no, maybe I stand above the other. But when I kneel to help the other person and I put them above myself, this is humility, humility excuse me, the world sees this as what? Weakness. Yes? Weakness. But I must love. I must put the other before myself. This is true humility, and this is how we know God. Brotherly affection and love. Just like you love your brother and your sister, that kind of love. Imagine if everyone loved each other the way we love our mothers and our fathers. The true love, that kind of love that is so heavy, kid, in the foundation that nothing can shake. Imagine what kind of community you can be. St. Maximus the Confessor says, whoever sees in himself the traces of hatred toward any man on account of any kind of sin is completely foreign to the love of God. For love towards God does not at all tolerate hatred for any man. Just like what we spoke about. Okay? And St. Ephraim the Syrian says, who is far from love is in a bad state and is to be pitied. He passes his days in delirious dream. Like we talked about, it's a sham. Here are the fathers of the church telling us. Far from God, deprived of light, and he lives in darkness. Whoever does not have the love of Christ is an enemy of Christ. He walks in darkness and is easily led to any sin. So you have to ask yourself, am I on this path? Because it's very, very easy for the devil to make it look like, oh, we're good, we go to church, we're straight. But we're living in a delirious dream. So be very, very careful to up your love game. To your, to your friends, to your neighbors. Do good to those who even hate you. Practical, real practical stuff that you have to do. Because faith without works is dead. Any questions? Knowledge, what are we gonna do? Know God by reading what? The Bible, the Ikbay and the Psalmody like Abuna said. Right, we're gonna be practical, we're gonna be real. Self-control, hmm. steadfastness like the what that's outside. The tree. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to read my Bible. Nothing is going to move me. Period. I don't care. Godliness. Hmm? I'm going to imitate Christ. I'm going to be like Him. He said it. Be like me. Take my yoke because it's, my burden is light. Right? We want to be like God. We want to serve others. We want to love others. Hmm? By the way, all of things, everything we're talking about is just on the surface. This is just like an introduction. All of this is nothing. We can talk about this for hours. You take this home bath. And you dive into this. What does this mean for you? What does it mean for you personally to be godly? To have self-control. Because self-control for me is going to be different than your self-control. Right? Brotherly affection and love. When Marianne was telling me about the talk, how to prepare yourself to love God, how to prepare yourself to get to heaven, this is just a few. Because without this, it's not happening. You can forget about the kingdom, you forget about the mansions, you can forget about what God is going to prepare for you. It's just not going to happen. This is the prerequisite to even get on the road. Love one another. Be careful of how you treat one another. Brotherly love, affection, steadfastness, self-control. Hmm? Climb this ladder. Climb this ladder. Last quote. 
If you want to attain salvation, learn and keep in your heart all that the Holy Church teaches. And receiving heavenly power from the mysteries of the Church, which is what? Communion, confession, repent, right? The stuff of the Church, this is all like an all-in-one nutshell, right? Walk the path of Christ's commandments under the direction of lawful priests, and you will undoubtedly attain the heavenly kingdom and be saved, which is the whole point of what we're here, right? All of this is naturally necessary in the matter of salvation. So everything that we're talking about here is necessary in the matter of salvation. Necessary in its entirety and for all. Whoever rejects or neglects any part of this has no salvation. Same thing. Simple? Yeah? Any questions? Knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, love. You want to find out where to find this here? Take the Take the, um, the verse, 2 Peter, I'll leave it up here. Self-control, steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, God, brotherly affection, and love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what we need. This is the practical roadmap to knowing God. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.